Hey, who's in eighth grade? Raise your hands again. Oh, awesome. It's crazy uh, because high school, I mean, even though it's next door, that's a pretty big step, pretty big change. You know, don't be intimidated, though, um, even though we have a dress code, you know. Uh, I'm just joking. We don't. Hey, we're excited to have you guys come, to be a part of our family. And it's, it really is a family over there. And um, if you guys have any questions or anything, come see myself. Talk to some of the counselors. We can encourage you. We're just excited. And um, freshman beach camp, I couldn't encourage you guys more. It's so much fun. Um, what we do over there is, is yeah, I, and I'm honored and privileged to be your pastor. I take it very seriously, but I know that I could not be your pastor without first being your friend. It's very important. And I think freshman beach camp, it's a great opportunity for us to get to know each other and um, bond around the bonfire, as Aaron shared before. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, so I encourage you guys in that. And I love Aaron's encouragement. Please don't let be money the thing that keeps you from freshman beach camp. We will get you there. We want you there. It's only 30 bucks. It's only 30 bucks. That's nothing. That's nothing. Justin will lend you the money, right? Okay. Um, okay. Who's, who's ever been asked for money? You know, you're walking out of Walmart. Hey, let me ask you a different way. Has anybody not been asked for money? Yes. You know, have you not? Can I have some money? Okay, so everybody, just to make sure, everybody knows what it feels like to be asked for money. Well, this happened to me not too long ago. Okay, it's just a, very recently that I was walking out of, I think it was Walmart, and some guy's like, um, hey, dude, can I, can I get some change or some cash? I, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting home. I need to buy a train ticket. I'm stranded now. Will you help me out? And I was like, oh, man, I, I wish I could. I, I really, I, all I have, it was next to my truck. I was like, I just got these pennies in the ashtray. He's like, hey, anything helps, bro. So I got him. I gave him some, you know, all the pennies I had. And he was like, cool, thanks. And, and I was driving away. I was thinking about it. You know, in his words, anything helps. Anything would help. And I was thinking, well, that's not true. I mean, if I were to give him pesos, that wouldn't be very helpful. Couldn't buy a train ticket with pesos, right? I mean, even if I gave him, like, Chuck E. Cheese tokens, you know? I mean, would he be able to buy a train ticket with Chuck E. Cheese tokens? Absolutely not. All right? I know you guys are smarter than that. I don't think Chuck E. Cheese would exchange that. He's pretty strict, pretty strict. I think the only thing he exchanges um, those things for are dangerous choking hazard toys. And yeah, anyways, yeah, tickets. What if you gave him tickets? Would that have helped? Hey, my point is his needs were very specific, right? He needed money so he could buy a ticket to get back home. It wasn't entirely true that anything helps, no. He was in need of money, nothing else would do. Um, I tell that story as an intro into our topic this morning. We're gonna talk about giving. We're gonna talk about giving, and, and as our topic is on giving, I want you guys to think of this question, okay? Right now and throughout our study, that question is, what can I give to God? Ask yourself that question. What can I give to God? But listen, let me be clear, okay? As we're talking about giving to God, I need to be clear, God is not in need, okay? God is not some homeless beggar asking for money. 
God is not even really in need of anything. And I know this probably cuts you know, you deep to your core and, and really hurts your feelings of self-importance. But no, I'm sorry, God does not need you. The Bible is very clear. It says here in the book of Acts, and I've helpfully put it on the screen, the author of Acts writes, he is God who made the world and everything in it. Hey, he made everything. Of course he's not in need. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. Hey, what this, this couple of verses is saying is that God doesn't need anything. He's God. And, and I, I, I want us to be clear on that because we need to understand when we talk about giving to God, our giving is not based on his needs. Did you get that? Our giving to God is not based on our needs, but instead our response to what he's already given us. Our giving to God needs to be based off our response to, to what he has already given us. And you see, this relationship we have with God, okay? What's going on here, our relationship with God, it will always be that God is always the giver and we're the ones receiving. Okay, we're always the ones that are getting in this relationship with God. The truth is, is that this God of the Bible, this kind, amazing God that we read through these pages of the Bible, listen, he's not the God that's up there making demands, but instead he, his greatest delight, his greatest joy comes from meeting our needs. I'll say that again. It's, it's not that God is up there in need of anything or even making demands, but the Bible teaches that God's greatest delight is meeting your needs, meeting my needs. So let's catch a glimpse of this giving here in Mark chapter six. Our title this morning, if you're taking notes, you wanna write down or think of it, it's enough is enough. Enough is enough. And we're gonna pick it up there in verse 30 of Mark chapter six. Mark writes, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things both what they had done and what they had taught. I'll stop right there. Jumping into this chapter, we gotta kinda know what's going on here. The disciples around Jesus telling him what they had done, what they had taught, why? Well, Jesus sent his apostles out, his 12 apostles, he sent them out to teach, preach, and cast out demons. Why? Well, that was his whole purpose in choosing these 12. All right, he chose these 12 and called them apostle. The word apostle means preacher or teacher. And Jesus' whole goal here was to take these 12 and to teach them how to minister, how to minister the way that he was and how to teach the people and how to, how to help them and meet their needs, how to minister to them. And so at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter six, he sends them out in twos the original dynamic duos to go ahead and go with the power that Jesus sends them out with to, to heal, to teach, to cast out demons. And so now they come back together after they've gone out and they're excited. They want to tell Jesus, hey, I, we want to tell you everything that happened. Have you guys ever been there where something exciting happens? You come back you know, to your parents, or your friends, you're just like, you can't wait to tell them. You're so excited about what happened, what occurred. And that's how these disciples are with Jesus. They're excited, but listen, hey, back then there was no cars. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get tired after a long road trip. I'm like, man, after going to Orange County, I'm ready for a nap, you know? 
Dude, these guys are walking everywhere. These guys, yes, they're excited, but they're probably exhausted going out into the outer villages for a couple days and, and teaching and healing, just pouring themselves out. They're exhausted. So they come back together and they're excited about, about what happened. They want to tell him. And verse 31 says, we pick it up. Jesus says to them, hey, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Hey, even Jesus knew, hey, we need a nap every now and then. We need to rest and recharge. And it says, for there were many coming and going and they did not have time to eat. So verse 32, so they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves but the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. In verse 34, Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Verse 35, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, Hey, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he, Jesus, answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. Verse 39, then he commanded them to make all sit down in groups, make them sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate and were filled. Verse 43 says they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and fish. That's all the leftovers. Isn't that amazing? Verse 44 says, Now all that who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. This is an amazing story. A miracle, no doubt. We see here Jesus Again, after the disciples come back to him, want to tell him about everything, he recognizes that they're exhausted. They're tired. So he's like, hey, let's go. Let's go to a secluded place, a deserted place. Man, we'll get some time to re you know, relax, refresh, re-energize. But what happens? Man, the multitudes want to meet Jesus. They want to be with him. They want to hear him talk. They want to hear all those great things that he has to teach them. They want to be touched by him. Many of those people were sick, ill, diseased, and they just want to touch Jesus. So, so the multitudes, they see him get in the boat and take off, and their just desire to see him brings them to just follow him. Some of them knew him. They knew where he was going or anticipated whatever it was. We find that when Jesus and his disciples get to where they want to go, thinking that they're going to rest, guess who's there to meet him? It's the multitudes, the people. They, they run to meet him, to be there when he gets out of the boat. And we see that Jesus, when he sees these people, man, is he upset? No, he's filled with compassion. He's totally filled with compassion, knowing that they, they have these needs. What does it say? It says that he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. 
and he begins to teach them. His disciples come to him when it's late. And with a, a great idea, the disciples, I mean, this idea that they came up with, it was, it was a brilliant idea that people, uh, you know, it was late and uh, they noticed, hey, there's no Chipotle around. There's no place to really get any food. Let's send the people away. Let's let them go get some food, get some bread, get something to eat. Um, you know, the disciples were thinking of the people, thinking of their needs. Great idea, right? But what does Jesus tell them? Jesus tells them, hey, I want you to feed them. I want you to feed them. And they're like, okay, like, what are you talking about? I mean, you, so you want, let me get this straight. You want us to go to the villages. You want us to go to those fresh and easy or Chipotle and buy everybody food? Like, do you know how much that's going to cost? We can't afford that. Disciples were looking at, at what they didn't have. And what does Jesus, what does he ask them there in, in verse 38? Look in verse 38. What does Jesus say? He says, how many loaves do you have? That's what he asks them. Well, what do you got? What do you have? You see, Jesus wasn't concerned with what the disciples didn't have, but instead, he was more concerned with what they did have. Again, he wasn't worried about what they didn't have and what they, the money they didn't have, the food they didn't have. Look, he was more concerned with what they did have. He says, hey, well, show me. What do you have? And if you remember that question I asked at the very beginning, what can I give to God? What can I give to God? When we're answering that question, we need to understand. Just as Jesus wanted to teach his students here, this lesson, in this opportunity, when it comes to giving to God, when it comes to giving to God, he's not concerned with what we don't have as much as he is concerned with what we do have. Again, when it comes to your life, when it comes to my life, God isn't worried about what you don't have. But he's more interested on what you do have because that's what he wants. That's what he cares about. You know, the Bible teaches that we as individuals were fearfully and wonderfully made. We're God's masterpiece the Bible says, that we've all been created individual and unique. I mean, out of all the billions of people on this planet, okay, nobody has the same thumbprint as I do. Look at that. Can you see it? It's crazy. Even my toe print is probably different, but nobody recognizes the toe. Anyways, big toe gets a bad rap. But it's crazy. I mean, we are so uniquely made physically but also mentally and emotionally, spiritually. God's given us like gifts and talents that sometimes nobody else has. Or he's caused us to be concerned or have feelings that are different, unique from anybody else. And you know what? God doesn't want us to look at other people and say like, dude, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that talent. I wish I had that gift. Or, man, that person is so good with other people. But I just, I can't be that way. You know, God's not concerned with what this other person has, what this other person can give. What he's concerned with is what you have and what you can give. Because that's what he wants from you. He's concerned with what he's given you and how he's made you. 
because the Bible talks about that God's created us individually for a purpose and a reason. He doesn't want, you know, the Bible talks about us as the, as the body of Christ because a body is the perfect illustration. Some people are, are arms and legs, some people feet, you know, some people ears and eyes, and, and what if everybody wanted to be a thumb? Man, we wouldn't get anything done, right? Because what could a thumb do on its own? Nothing. God has made you, you. And when he asks you to follow him, he wants you to take what you do have and to give it to him, to use it for him. He's more concerned with what you do have. And each and every one of us, we do have something, right? If anything, we have our lives that we could give him right here, right now. Live these lives to serve God. When it comes to these talents and gifts he's given us, man, we have something to give to God and that's what he wants. You know, hidden in the gospels is this little story with a huge illustration. One day Jesus is sitting there in the temple, which is the, the church of that day. He's sitting there and he's, he's watching the people come in as they give their offering to God. And back then, you know, the agape box, the offering box, well, it wasn't a box at all. It was actually these, these huge like tube type of containers that at the top they would kind of flare out like a trumpet, you know? These huge coffers, they would call them, and, and they were made out of metal, and, and the rich people would come in. They'd come into the temple, and their, their servants would be behind them, carrying their bags of money, you know, that they were going to be offering that day. And, and the rich people would walk up to the coffer, and, or this container, and stand in front of it as their servants poured in these bags of money. And you know what that would sound like? When they were pouring all these coins into these, these metal containers, Man, it would just, it would resonate throughout the temple. It sounded like somebody hit the jackpot in Las Vegas because I know all of you know what that's like, hitting the jackpot. Or like if somebody put a $100 bill in the um, token machine at Chuck E. Cheese, you know, all that, the, the, the coins would come on that little metal thing and be like, Shee! anyways, so it would, it would be loud, all right? It would make such a loud noise that people, it would resonate through the temple and other people that would be doing other things would be like, what? Oh my gosh, you hear all that, that money that that person's giving? I mean, I can hear all those coins, you know, hit that container. Man, that guy must love Jesus. Do you hear all he's giving? You know, and that's what the rich people wanted. They wanted to stand in front of these offering boxes and that, that sound to resonate through the temple so people would turn around and look at them as somebody who was giving much to God. But Jesus, sitting there observing this in the temple, notices that, but also says he notices this old widow, this old lady that walks in right behind you know, these rich guys with their big bags of money, and she walks up to the same container and she puts in two mites, two coins that equal about like a, like a buck 50. You know, and Jesus sees that and he points it out to his disciples and wants to teach them a lesson. He says, you see that old widow? You see what she gave? Those rich people, I'll put it up on the screen. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, there in um, Luke 21, the account of this parable, he says, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. Speaking of the rich people, Jesus says, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus or their large amount, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. 
You see, Jesus perceives that this widow, when she came and just put that little amount compared to the large amount of those rich people, man, she gave more in abundance because she gave everything she had. Those rich people were, yeah, they're pouring all these bags of money, but that was only a little compared to the amount that they had back at home, the amount in their bank accounts, and it was nothing to them. And they were doing it all for show, but this widow taking all that she had, giving it to God, trusting that he would provide, wanting to honor him with what she had, what she could give, all that she had, she gave to God, and he commended her on her abundant giving. And listen, for that hungry multitude in the desert that Jesus was teaching, to that, to that group of disciples that he wanted to, to teach and grow, Jesus took what was given. The Bible in other accounts uh, mentions that it was only like a young boy that offered this, you know, these two loaves or three loaves, these two fish. Jesus took what was given and used it to teach a lesson. Listen, God doesn't care about what you don't have. He wants what you do have. He wants what you do have. And with the example of that old widow there offering those two mites, that little that she had, we can learn it doesn't matter how much it is, but it matters how you give. It matters how you give. Not wanting to make a show of what God's given you, showing off these talents, but man, wanting to honor the Lord, taking what you have and giving it to him with a pure heart. And remember, our giving to God, it's never based on his needs, remember? It's based on our response. It's never based off God needing anything. We already went over, God doesn't need anything from us. But it's based on our response to what God has already given us. And what has God given us? Well, the Bible teaches that he's given us his only begotten son. The Bible teaches that God gave himself, there in 1 Timothy we read that he gave himself a ransom for all to be a witness to all. God paid the price for our sin that we could not by giving himself to die on the cross. There in Galatians, Paul writes, he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Guys, we are living in an evil age that's ruled on this, this planet is ruled by an evil one. He's called the enemy, and the Bible says that he's just waiting around the corner to jump on and pounce on those that are weak that he could devour and destroy. Guys, there is an evil one that is out to get you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. God has given himself to protect you, to save you from that evil one. Also, Titus writes that he gave himself to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his own very special people that would be committed now to doing these good works, taking what we have and using it to please and serve God. Listen, God has paid the price for our guilt, our sin, our shame. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. He has delivered us from evil and he has made us free. Guys, Today, 
sitting here in this place, we can rejoice because of what God has done, giving himself, now allowing us by the blood of Jesus Christ, through the grace of God and through his resurrection, hey, we have a newness of life. No longer are we shackled to the guilt and shame that is the sin that we inherited, but no, that's what God gave so that you and I could live this newness of life. It's amazing. And now from the cross of Jesus Christ, we can go and live in that newness of life, giving what we have. Hey, whether if it's free time, who's got free time on their hands? Hey, we all do, right? Hey, whether if it's with our free time, just spending time with him. You know, and I'm, I'm challenged by this. You know what? If I lived with my wife only to communicate to her, all right, you know, I would talk to her and tell her about my day and tell her about all this stuff, but then when she started talking to me, I turned away and, you know, I walked away. Uh, I would probably not have a wife or I'd probably have a black eye, either one of those. That's not how a relationship works. It's a two-way communication where, where I speak and then she speaks and I listen and then I get to speak back and then I get to listen again as she communicates. That's what communication is. You know what? With my free time, I'm challenged by how much time I spend listening to God. Have you ever listened to God? Just taken some time to get in a quiet place and I know it's hard because this world that we live in, it's loud, it's very distracting. And especially if you're like me and you have this uh, disorder that's called attention deficit disorder, yeah, you get distracted very easily, very easily. But listen, if we choose, okay, purpose to go away, to quiet our heart and to listen to God, the Bible says that he will speak to us. And that's quite an amazing invitation. The God who created the universe, who created me, he wants to speak into my life. He wants to give me wisdom and direction. Hey, what should I do here? How should I go about this? Guess what? What an invitation that we have. The God of the universe that wants to speak into our lives. It's quite an invitation. And I'm challenged. How much time do I take in my free time to give to God, to speak into my life? I want to do more of that. And I encourage you. Man, with your free time, we can spend it with him. We can spend it serving others. Sometimes I know I get caught up. I think I live for me. I live for me and every free moment I get, hey, what can I do for me? I, I, trust me, I do that all the time. But you know what? How much more honoring to God would it be? And don't get me wrong, sometimes we do. Like Jesus encouraged his disciples, we go away and rest. But that's after they've been serving, right? How many, how many opportunities could we just take that free time? Man, we can serve our parents. We can serve our siblings. We can come here in, the, in this junior high ministry. There are so many opportunities for you to take what you have, and that's free time. Aaron, what can I do for you? And just serve. Just serve the Lord, all right? Free time. We all have that. What about honoring our parents? And we could totally honor God by honoring our parents. That's something we all can do. I still can do that to this day, is honor my mom, honor my dad. Whether if it's in our relationships, man, taking the opportunity that we have, hey, who's got brothers and sisters here? What an opportunity that is to just bless them by showing God's love to them, serving them, 
And I know sometimes that's the hardest thing, right? But listen, again, what is God concerned with? He's concerned with what we do have, right? We have an opportunity to love our brothers and sisters, to be a great example to our brothers and sisters. I'm always encouraging Wesley, like, hey, you got one shot at this, to be an older brother. One shot, okay? Your brother, he mimics everything you do. You know, we saw that because Wes threw a ball the other day, totally threw a ball to me, and it was a, you know, he's got a pretty good arm, so he um, threw it to me on the couch and I caught it, and then I rolled it back on the floor, and Shep, he's got this crazy monster arm, and he's gonna be a phenomenal pitcher. He picked up the same ball. You know, he doesn't have the accuracy yet because he's only two years old. Dude, he totally chucked it and threw it. And it went across the room and totally hit the shelf and knocked some things over. I'm like, Wes, do you see how your brother, he mimics every move you make? What an opportunity that is to show him what it is to be a, you know, a God, a, 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 what a kid, <laughs> he's not a man yet, a kid after God's own heart, you know, to obey your parents, to serve each other. And what a great opportunity. We all have that opportunity, right? Or whether if it's taking these gifts and talents that God has given you. And I encourage you, if you guys don't know yet the gifts and talents that God has given you, I encourage you to pray. Lord, show me. What gifts have you given me? What talents have you given me? Is it, is it to sing? Is it to play an instrument? Is it compassion for others? Man, there are many diverse gifts that God has given his body. And you know what? When you pray and ask God for that wisdom, the Bible says that he'll give it to you abundantly. Okay, he's not gonna hold back. He's gonna reveal to you amazing gifts, amazing talents that you and I can take and we can use for the glory of God. You know, the Bible um, teaches one of Paul's epistles, notes Words of Christ that are not in the Gospels, that it is better to give than to receive. And Jesus probably spoke this in, in one of his teachings to teach us a powerful principle that sometimes, you know, we don't understand because in our flesh, we love to get, right? We love to come downstairs on Christmas morning and to see like presents piled up with our name on them under the tree or when it's our birthday, you know, coming out to seeing all the presents there are for us and, you know, ripping open the presents. We love to get gifts. But Jesus is saying, hey, I want to teach you guys something powerful that it's better, it's better for you to give than to receive. You think it's good receiving gifts? Man, try it. Test them, taste and see that God is not telling you the truth, that it is better to give these gifts, give of yourself than to receive. And those are just some real simple things, guys. I just wanted to encourage you. These are things that you do have, that you can give to God, whether big or small. I mean, I want to encourage you. Take some time. Think about these things and then act on them. Give some things to God and just wait and watch in faith as God will take them even as small as they may be, just like he did with those pieces of bread and those pieces of fish. God wants to take what you have and do great things with them. And I want to encourage you guys in that today. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, 
I thank you, Lord, for making me unique and giving me, Lord, what I have to serve you. Lord, I pray for those that may not have or, or recognize those things yet, and I pray that through your Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your Spirit and give us the perception, the eyes to see the things that we do have, the things that you have given, that we can take and honor you with them. Lord, I also pray that you would anoint this group, pour out your spirit, that you would empower them to go from here, taking this message with these powerful principles, that you would enable us to apply them to our lives, that we would, Lord, take time to spend with you, that we would seek to find those things that we could give you, Lord, and that we would then obey and that we would serve you rightly with a right heart. I also pray that you would protect these students, Lord, as they go out from here this week. Lord, and that you would just uh, continue to use them as salt and light, even in these last couple days of school, right before the summer, that you would use them in a mighty way with their friends, with their family members, and that you would show them that you do desire to use them, to take the little things that we do have, to use them for a mighty purpose. Lord, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship, all right, guys?